Hello, and welcome to the H in HR podcast, where people discuss the most important aspect of human resources, the human aspect. Now here is your host, Ricky Baez. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, bienvenidos. That was Spanish, by the way. Welcome to the very first episode, episode number 001, the inaugural episode of the HNHR podcast. My name is Ricky Baez, and folks, I cannot be more excited. I've been waiting for this day to come for the longest time. Uh, yeah, yeah, we JC and I have done the uh, the HR Talk podcast for six years now. And folks, could you believe it? We got up to 70,000 listeners. 70,000! Even I can't believe that. But, yeah, we peaked. But you know what? It's time. It's time to retire it. So if you go to Biasco Learning, to the Biasco Learning website, go to Biasco.com, B-A-E-Z-C-O.com. And if you look on the uh, on the tabs at the top, you'll be able to see the old HR Talk archives. You'll be able to see them there. They are available for everyone to download but you're also going to see the new tab for the new podcast of the HNHR. So folks, that said, we're going to dive right in because, you know, ever since the pandemic, and that's right, we're still talking about the pandemic. It's been three years since uh, that thing came over and disrupted everybody's lives. You know, people are having a hard time connecting with other folks. Whether organizations adopt a flexible work arrangement, whether they 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 work one hundred percent remotely or one hundred percent from the office, at the end of the day, you are going to have um, organizations where some people are going to want to work from home, some are not, some want a flexible arrangement. But what happens is, is leaders are having a hard time keeping up with that, right? Because if you're not in the office, it's there is something missing at work, and that is the human connection. And there's a lot of apps out there that really that do a really good job in 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 recreating, and they try to recreate that human connection. But still, organizations are having a hard time. So that's why I it, it's it's this this episode, this podcast, really is near and dear to my heart because it focuses on the people who make organizations uh, successful, and also who could make organizations not successful, whether it's leadership or the employee or a combination of both. But I think the important thing is to have, you know, to have genuine, authentic conversations about what needs to happen in the future with employees to make sure that they have the right influence. Well, well, yeah, right influence, the right tools and the right environment to thrive. And I could think of no better person to kick this off with than my friend Tess Honan. Now, let me tell you about Tess. Tess is a former Imagineer from Disney, and she transitioned from being an Imagineer to a chief operating officer at Engineered Advisory. And one of the things that I wanted to connect with Tess about is how do you sprinkle a little bit of creativity? Because, of course, if you worked at Disney, you've got to have some creativity. You have to have the artistic mindset. Mix it with with uh, with uh, some leadership skills and business sense, and you have one heck of a leader in your hands. But I just I, I wanted to connect with her. I wanted to just take a deep dive into how do you have that nice mixture of creativity and leadership to lead today's employees into tomorrow's goals. So, folks. Let's just jump right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Tess Honan. Check it out. 
my friend Tess. How are you today? Ricky, I am fantastic. It has been a whirlwind of a year, but it is doing nothing but coming to a head, and I love it. Excellent. So so what makes this week fantastic? Because I know, look, it has been a heck of a year for me. Actually, it's been a heck of a year for any leader, anybody in HR. What makes this week so fantastic? I just came back from St. Louis where we spent the last two days digging in with our leadership team um, in a cadence that happens every eight weeks. We sit down and we hear from all the leaders within the divisions about what are they done well, what do they want to do, what are their roadblocks, and really celebrating each other and lifting each other up, but also challenging each other so that way at the end of the day, we can have collaboration and cohesiveness. So working in the environment that I'm in, it's virtual. It's hard. It's hard to have that connection. And being able to get together eight every eight weeks is the thrust that allows us to move forward. Uh-huh. And for me, I'm coming off that high. I'm coming off of being in a meeting where I just learned so much more about what everyone in the, in the company is doing. And it makes me happy. So let's talk about that real quick, because one of the things I want to talk uh, to you about today is leading new employees leading the new generation of talent coming into the uh, the uh, workforce and one of the things that now now you and I we've known each other right but it's and we've always talked about having you come on the show but what I re- what really strikes me about your background is you come from a very creative background you spent a lot of time of your career at Disney right I did yeah. You know, what's, and what's funny about that is that I'm now in an environment that people often say is not very creative. And I would challenge anybody to say creativity is everywhere. You just have to figure out what to be creative about. Ah, as you see, so that's the thing. It's that people have to find their why. People have to find what makes them creative because you're right. You can't put creativity in a box. It's not black and white. Creativity for person A is very different than creativity for person B. So at Disney, because I'm looking at your LinkedIn, and when you was at Disney, you, you've done quite a few things. You was resort, a resort sales manager, um, and then you was also creative event consultant. That title, that screams at me. That, that, that title to me is awesome. So creative event consultant. How do you, it, it, tell me about that. How does that work? Well, uh, my story really with Disney kind of begins at becoming an accidental cast member. I often say I was an <laughs> accidental cast member who became an accidental Imagineer. Growing up in Central Florida, I never had on my horizons that I wanted to work in the hospitality industry. And instead, I was challenged by my professors at school to think about things a little bit differently and look lean into some curiosities that I had. And mm. so I sat in the meeting that allowed me to hear what Disney was offering in terms of a brand new internship. And that internship allowed for some growth and some some challenges, which I honestly wanted to really do. I am not one who likes to sit still very long. I like to continuously move outside of a box, and I like to try new and, and, and exciting things. And what Disney was bringing to the table was a brand new internship with a partnership with the Rosen College mm-hmm. and was saying, hey, let's do this, but we don't know what it's going to feel like. And I'm like, ooh, sign me up. <laughs> you're, you're telling me we don't have a rule book? Yeah. Yes. Um, so I was able to jump into that and really learn from the ground up what Disney does and how how taking care of guests is at the core of what they uh, of what 
their existence is. And how do you take a meeting and an event and make it sing? You know, every, mm. anyone has ballroom space. Anybody can put tables and chairs. But what do you really do to make that an, an experience? And I did not want to do weddings mm. because I did not want to have that that pressure. Yeah. To me, doing an event for 20,000 people is so much easier than doing an, a wedding for somebody. And I, I <laughs> Really? Went, oh, absolutely. <laughs> wow. Absolutely. Okay. Because you have a lot more opportunity. You have a lot of things that you can go out and do. It's endless, right? And it's wow. not that moment that everyone looks back at for the next 20, 30, 50 years and reflects back on how their wedding day was. Mm. If you do an event, it's one, maybe two it's, it's, it's exciting. It's awesome, but there's going to be another one. And that's, that's kind of what I like to play into. So being an event consultant, I was able to take and mold clients visions Mm. and have them be created in a space that was a black, a blank canvas. And I organized and worked with team members to be able to bring that vision to life. So my job was to shut up and listen and hear what they wanted and then help them bring that to fruition. Ah, so, so, okay. So now I see you did that over at Disney and then you went to be an assistant producer over at Disney. I'm assuming that creativity had to come with you, but let's, let's make that switch. Let's make that switch to leadership, right? In, in your opinion, on a scale of one to 10, where, where, 10 being, it's, it's, it's a hundred percent. It's important. Zero being, it has no place in leadership. Where do you see creativity in leading people? How do you use it in leading people? On a scale of 1 to 10, where does that go into when it comes to leading just other talent? I, it's over a 10 for me. Oh, I mean, okay. Cre- yeah, creativity is – being a leader is not a black and white. There's, there's, there's a lot of books written, yeah. and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of manuals that are put out there, but there's no real direct path for anybody. And if you go back and you look at, you know, even my leadership journey over the years was not a direct straight, you know, from an assistant to a manager to a producer, it very much ping ponged its way across the Disney organization, spending 15 and a half years there, I was Mm. able to gain quite a bit. And my path was very different than anybody else's path. And then to take that and expect that then I as someone who's now leading individuals, I need to be able to have creativity to help them see that their path is maybe not as linear as they feel that it may be. Ah, got it. So now you're not at Disney anymore. Now you work for um, for an engineering consulting firm. How different is it? How different is it to motivate people from an environment where it was just, here's this blank page, make something that is valuable for either the guests or the employees. How do you transition into this other organization that may not have that black template, uh, that black, <laughs> that blank template like um, uh, Disney did? You know, what's interesting, um, when the pandemic hit and I found myself on the unfortunate side of the rope that was being um, cut when we had a very large, massive layoff with Disney, I really had to sit back and think about what is it that I wanted to do. And I had the blessing and the opportunity to be connected with individuals outside of the creative universe Mm. and outside of, you know, the the atmosphere that is um, creating immersive experiences for guests and 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 everything and entertainment 
And I knew I wanted to take my talents and do something a little bit different. So mm-hmm. I was approached um, by a, a, then a former client of mine, actually from Disney, mm-hmm. and asked to help to manage a merger and acquisition that had just come come together. And immediately coming into an organization where the team is doing tax, very, very specialized tax work, okay. dealing with accountants that are very black and white. They live in the audit world. They don't, they don't live in this fluff, you know, creativity, let's, let's build a new castle type of a world. Um, and learning and listening to the team explain what their needs and desires were and what the client's needs and desires were. It was very easy for me to find a path of, hey, we need to apply some solutions that we, they're not even out of a box. They're just, hey, let's, let's apply these. Let's knock down some barriers. And you can be creative. Mm. You can think about things in a, in a more, you know, less systematic approach, in a more, hey, what if we did this instead? Or what if we were to approach a client with this type of a solution? And really what it came down to was learning how to take the skills that I had done with Disney, which is really talking to, and I have no, absolutely no ability to do the reports that our team members do right now. But I have the ability to coach them through conversations of how to approach a client, how to approach a sales team, how to approach each other and rely on their expertise and knowledge for the actual product. And by giving them the empowerment of making decisions, Uh now they grow. Got it. So so here's the thing with me, right, because I, I, you know, I. I'm looking at your career and I compare it with other leaders that are out there and other leaders don't have the the expertise you did at the beginning when it comes to creativity. And I'm focusing, I'm focusing on that for a reason. The reason I'm focusing on that is because obviously we have different generations coming into the workforce today, right? And every generation has their own ticks, right? Cause you've got your, uh, your baby boomers, you have your fundamentalists, you have your gen Xer, that's me. And then you have your millennials, your gen Z, all, these different types of generations that come in and when I teach at at, at Rollins College one of the things I tell all of my leaders in there is you cannot expect your employees who grow up in their career to have the same work ethic the same type of view towards work as you did it's very different so Talking to all the leaders out there that are being put in a position to lead these these um, brand new talent, these these brand new employees that has a completely different thought process than you, what advice can you give them? What can you give them that way they can really make that impact to those uh, to to that brand new talent? Well, I, I go back to talent and leadership is a journey and that journey is not the same for anybody and as a leader being able to recognize individuals on that path are doing different things and being comfortable with the fact that they're doing things that maybe you don't agree with but they get some of the same results or sometimes even better results Mm. then you've got to you have to be comfortable with that as a leader you have got to know when to jump in and to maybe provide a little bit of a life raft or you need to know when to, you know what, let them swim, let them figure this out. They're going to, they're going to take their time. And that's, there's a, there's a balance as a leader that you have to have in, you know, how much are you delegating? How much are you micromanaging? Uh, how much are you digging in on things, but how much are you letting them learn and thrive within their own curiosity? 
Now I've 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 met my my fair share of leaders who they just for some bizarre reason they feel like they have to be over the employee's shoulder. They micromanage the living daylights out of their day. Why do you feel some leaders have a hard time letting that go? Why do you feel they What do you think that they feel so comfortable in just micromanaging all of their employees? What do you think that is? The hardest transition for anybody in leadership is moving from a doer to a maker. Oh, okay. Okay. So when you, when you start out your career, even as a, even as a child, right, you start out and you start to learn how to do something. And I'm going to use an example of teaching my son how to cook, you know, in the kitchen. Okay. When I teach him how to make something, it takes every ounce of me not to grab and hold on to the knife and help him with the knife skills, but instead he has to teach and he has to learn that himself. Because I don't, because it's coming from a place as a parent, I don't want him to get hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't want there to be a situation that now needs to have more, you know, that I have to now insert myself in deeper. As a leader, it's much the same way. You're coming in and you, for so long, you've been asked to actually do the work and mm-hmm. you, you're doing it hands-on, day on the ground. And your next step is to now help people understand how to do the work. But you can't do it for them yeah. because if you do it for them, they're not learning anything. And that is a, that's an uncomfortable position to be in because you're now reliant on somebody else. And like my son with the knife who is trying to cut the carrot and I'm sitting there with a blindfold going, ah, you know, and you constantly have this struggle of like, breathe. as a leader, you have the same thing. You sit in meetings and you watch someone stand up and bumble through something. You're like, okay, well, we could have, okay. And you have to learn that just being silent and allowing someone to work through something and giving them the courage and the empowerment to stand up and just try is ninety mm. percent of leadership. Look at the that. other ten. <laughs> Look at the that. other ten percent <laughs> is guidance, but ninety percent of leadership is learning how to shut up yourself. You, you know what? I agree with that a thousand percent because, from my perspective, one of the reasons I think employers or leaders do that is there's there's a lack of trust. Now, you gave a great example with your son and the and the the uh, the, the knife and the carrots. So, from from a from a parent's perspective, obviously, you don't want your son to be hurt, right? You don't want that to happen. But so the the whole trust thing doesn't apply there. But when it comes to work, so from my perspective. I tell all of my clients, if you bring somebody on board and you make an offer, the trust is implied. The trust is implied. You give that employee an opportunity opportunity to screw you over. Every time I say that, they're like, what? You want me to do what? I agree with that because, look, bad news early is good news. Right, I it, it's I heard that a couple of years ago, and I'm like, that is perfect because you get to find out who you have, right? And if if you give your employee, like if you, if you trust them with a project, right, that puts them in front of executive leadership, and you say, here you go, fly, you guide them, and yeah, it does take a a lot to hold back and just let them do their thing. But it also takes a backbone, right? Because you have to be ready in case they fall, right? 
What do we learn from it, right? Don't scold them, right? But let's coach. Let's use this as a teachable moment. And, and, and to me, it's a trust factor. What about for you? I think, you know, my, my team will hear me say over and over again is fail forward mm. and fail upwards. You know, it's okay. You can try it. You can fail, but get yourself up, look back, see what happened, move forward quickly. You know, and, and you can't, you know, we just had, like I said, I just came out of our leadership meeting. And one of the things that we are working in our company is just on innovation. Yeah. And innovation is very uncomfortable for a lot of people because the word is scary because it, they feel like it needs to be something completely new and completely different. And we, we, as a, as a leadership team are really learning how re-engagement and reignition of curiosity is really what we mean by innovation, right? Don't just accept status quo. Don't just look at something and say, well, can't fix, can't fix that. So we're just going to leave it. And, you know, the, the quote failure is not an option. Mm. doesn't apply anymore because failure is an option. That's In true. fact, you're not growing if you're not failing. And that applies to your personal life. That applies to your professional life. There, there comes a point as a leader that you have to be comfortable with putting something out there and making a decision and mm. saying, Whoop, that didn't work. Let's try something else. So, would you say that one of the uh, one of the foundations one of the uh, 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 one of the foundations when it comes to a skill set that a leader needs it would be to have that backbone right because I say this all the time you need two things to be a leader you need a backbone and you need people skills and the reason you need that backbone is because you have to communicate the good things but you also have to communicate some bad news as well but you need the people skills to address that bad news in a way that is constructive. Right in a way that everybody gets something out of it, not to scold somebody, but just 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 to get something out of whatever happened. Now, um, obviously, uh, it's if somebody fails over and over and over again with the same thing they haven't learned, that's a whole different conversation. Now we're talking about discipline and reaction. Right, there's a big difference between will and skill. But from a leadership perspective, you hit the no- the nose right on the head. Listen to me, I have. <laughs> I don't know what's in this drink test, but uh, it's you know I'll tell you it could be vodka, it could not be vodka, um, but no, it's not vodka. But still, um, it, it's it's you hit the nail right on the head with that one. Now let me throw this one at you. Let me, let me throw this one. What about delegation? What's your stance on delegating work to employees? How do you know what to delegate or what not to delegate to new employees? As as a new leader, again, moving from a maker or sorry, a doer to a maker. Yeah. That is that is a hard transition because you want to you want to take it all. Yeah. And I have um, one of the things that I have always said that I am absolutely horrific at is making the assumption that when I hand something to somebody else, that they are going to hold on to it with the same level of care, tenacity and just curiosity is what I do. It's not necessarily the case. Mm. As a leader, I've had to learn how I need to be reliant on the skill set that they have, but I have to be able to ask poignant questions. How are things going? Tell me more about that and peel the onion and the layers into the situation. 
And that's that's the honing piece of being a leader that takes a lot a little bit of time, effort and energy on your part, because it's a risk to, de- to delegate to anybody. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we have a finite amount of time and finite amount of hours that are go on to each and every day. And the, you can't touch it all at once. Mm. So as a leader, recognizing in yourself that I'm not the right person to answer that question because it's going to take me four hours to do the research and find the answer <laughs> versus if I delegate that to somebody who has a better skill set and a different level of knowledge, I can empower them to actually have that decision done faster. And that's coming into this organization has probably been the biggest thing for me is because I can't do the work. I don't do the work. I, I can only guide, teach, encourage, walk through processes, poke a lot of holes in things, yeah. put it back together with them. But I can't do the physical work. So it actually allows me to be able to have a different perspective. It allows me to come in and fly a little bit higher. And I don't want to dig in and do it all myself because I can't. So, so this is the third time you've used that E word empowerment. And if we were having a drinking game, I, I'll, I'll probably be in trouble with this, you know, with, with, with the short amount of time that we've been talking, right? But empowerment is key to you, isn't it? It is. So, you know, it's funny when I hire individuals, when I look and I um, look for new leaders, when I look to promote individuals um, in my organization, yeah. even when I look for friends, you know, as an adult, you know, looking at who my friendship circle is, I am led by curiosity. Mm. Alice in Wonderland is probably one of my favorite Disney tales of all time. I absolutely love Lewis Carroll. I think it's, you know, just a story of amazement and wonderment. Um, and being curious and mm. not being afraid of opening the next door, not being afraid of taking the bite of the eat me or, you know, taking the sip of drink me. And as a leader, I spend a lot of time looking for that curiosity before I look for skills. Mm. Because if you're curious, you'll gain the skill. You'll have mm. the eagerness to seek outside help. If you're not curious, then you can't do anything you're you're only stuck in the bubble that you want to be stuck in that then leads to empowerment which is going to be you know you can be as curious as you want but if you're not directed as a, as an individual to do something with that curiosity the curiosity dies it just mm. falters and it just you know it withers away and so then you become the machine that just does it because well that's the way how it's always been done but as a leader, if I can take that curiosity and then empower the curiosity to make decisions, to try something new, to become, you know, to take a process and turn it upside down and do it. And if it fails, great. What, were, what did you learn? If it accelerates, let's celebrate it. And, and having that ability to do that as a leader, that's what builds the strengths of teams. Uh-huh. That's what really shows you what people are made of. But it stems really from curiosity and then the empowerment of that curiosity to ignite what the future is. Oh, I'm so glad we're not playing that game. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad we're not. So you know what? Let me ask you this. Let's, let's, let's role play real quick. Let's say I work for you. Right. So so I'm your new director. Right. And you're my boss, because right now you are a chief operating officer at your current organization. So if I work for you for you, I'm your I'm your senior director and I'm telling you, you know what, boss, that's all fine and dandy. But I'm not here to be creative with the employees. I'm not here to be, you know, uh, all fuzzy and warm with the employees. I need to get them to perform. Right. So I don't subscribe to that curiosity piece. I don't subscribe to that fuzzy things. 
what what kind of feedback would you give me if I told you that if you're my boss? You know, it, it's funny because the the employees themselves, everyone, not even just an employee, every yeah. human reacts to the ability to be able to stand on their own feet and do things in their own way. Mm. And I would encourage you as, as my new leader to say, that's fantastic. And I want you to look at what you're doing. And I want you to really lean in to that, that thought process. Mm -hmm. But I also want you to be open to what your employees, what your team members are bringing to the table, because you don't know what you don't know. And our biggest blind spots are typically right in front of us. Mm. And if you have the time and the energy to just apply a little bit of learning and conversation and openness to your meetings, you may gain something that you had no idea was even there. Uh. And I spend time with my leadership team asking them and challenging status quo. I ask a lot of hard questions. I am known for being the individual who will poke a million and a half holes in the idea that you've brought me. Yeah. And it doesn't come from a place of arrogance or ego, or it needs to be my idea. Instead, it comes from a place of one, I want to make, I'm adverse to risk. So mm -hmm. I'm always going to ask you a lot of risk based questions. I'm also going to ask to make sure that you've thought through and really thought about it from 10 different angles and that you've solicited more than just your own opinion. Because if we do things in a vacuum, the vacuum eventually loses suction mm. and, and you're full because mm. you can't, you're not, you're not taking on any new information. You've got to do that. But what I love about those sessions and about love about a leader who challenges and says, I don't want to be curious. I don't, I don't have time to be creative. I said, well, then what are you going to do? Oh. How is your team going <laughs> to, how's your team going to evolve? Where's your growth model? Mm. And if they say, well, we're just going to take on more work. How, how do you take on additional work? What resources do you need? And they can start listing them off typically pretty fast and I go, well, right, right there, that's curiosity. That's creativity. Uh, You're learning how to solve a problem. And they're like, oh, no, I'm not being curious. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just doing it. There's nothing creative about telling you I need 10 more people. There is, because you're looking at how you're doing the work, where the work needs to go, and how are you getting there. It's not formulaic. So from your perspective, so here's what I heard, right? Being a leader is not necessarily, you know, just telling people what to do, right? It's taking a step back, right? Trusting your employees to do the job they were hired to do and just, and really giving them that, that blank canvas. All right. I'm going to go back to that because if you give your employees a blank canvas, it's, I think two things are going to happen. The right employee is going to take that opportunity and take every advantage of that, right? Because that, that employee is going to say, wow, Tess is really trusting me to make this happen. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to nurture this opportunity and I'm going to make sure I make her look good. Right. That's the employee you want. But then you also find the employee that says, ah, whatever, I don't care. Right. And then they make you look bad. Right. So now you know who you have versus who you don't have. Right. Well, that goes back to the backbone, though, because if you as a leader, you've got to have this. You have to be you became a leader because you have a certain skill set yeah, because you have yeah. certain depths of knowledge and you have to be able to guide the ship without actually running the ship. There is a, there's a, a, 
something that comes from the military of commander's intent. You know, if I tell you how I want you to get from point A to point B and tell you that you have to go my path, you'll do it. Mm. You'll get there. But if I say, hey, I just need you at Costco at 2 p.m. on Tuesday. And that's all I tell you. You may find this unique route to get to Costco that we never even thought of. Yep. And it's it's not being the leader who comes into the organization and says, it's my way or the highway. It's my way because I'm the only one who knows better. The skill of a leader is to come in and say, here's where we need to be. Let's rally against and behind where we want to go. Now let's find the best path there. And I may not be the right person to tell you the path. Mm. I may just be the person to help you get to the path. And and you know what? A hundred percent spot on, Tess. I mean, it is because it, it's it's I look. I I stay in business, right? Because I do have clients that they 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 focus on their business, right? I come in, I help them out with the HR issues. Sometimes I help them out with their you know middle manager issues and executive issues. But that what you just said there is key. And here's what I took away from that. What I took away from that is is that you want to put people in a position where they have the creativity, they have the flexibility and the empowerment to reach whatever goal you give them the best way they know how using the talents that we hired them to do. And, you know, coming back from the uh, Maryland State Sherm Conference and uh, it's uh, this past week, and I know this is going to air in about three weeks, but still, um, and going to Miami tomorrow for another conference. And what I'm telling everybody is, all the leaders out there, it's this. You want to create an environment where your employees are more afraid of letting you down than being written up. If you create that kind of an environment, you're going to have a different kind of talent on your hands, right? You're going to have people you create. I don't want to say you want to create loyalty to you, but you want to create loyalty to the cause, right? For, for, For whatever reason the business exists, right? Without, without having loyalty to the cause, they're just punching a time clock. Mm. And if you, you know, one of the things in today's environment, our work is, our, my environment is 100% virtual. Ah. We, we, yeah. have, we have a brick and mortar building, um, but not as, you know, not as many people are in that building every day. Instead, we are spread far flung and we have to be able to make that connection with individuals. We shifted the organization from being a time punching clock to being a results oriented workplace. Mm. If you work best from 2 a.m. to 2 p.m., fantastic. If you work best from 2 p.m. to 2 a.m., okay, that works too. Because at the end of the day, it's making sure that that everyone gets the why Mm. behind what we are doing. And if they get the why, everyone performs to that. And it's not letting me down as a leader. It's letting our clients down. It's, you know, if, you know, I'll go back to Disney. If Disney forgot to sweep the streets in Magic Kingdom, it would quickly become apparent that something was wrong. Yep. I don't know about you, but I still go to the Magic Kingdom and still pick up trash. It's just, <laughs> it's just, Every, it's in your blood. <laughs> well, 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 what it comes down to is it's not beneath me ever with when in any position I ever had mm. to reach down and pick up the trash because I had pride for the location and the organization that I worked for. Mm. Instilling that pride 
and that cause into your employees allows them to have exponential growth. Hmm. That I can't encourage somebody who who has no idea why they actually do what they do. So taking us three steps backwards and coming into an organization or looking at and talking with a client about something is, well, why do you do, what's your purpose? What's driving? Mm. Okay. Let, let, now that's what we need to instill in all the employees because once they get it, then they're no longer just punching a button. They're actually changing a life and the language you use, you know, there's a reason why Disney is cast members and on stage and backstage because there's different ways to approach those roles. They're roles. They're not jobs. When huh. you approach something with a different language and a different purpose, I'm no longer asking you to do a job, but I'm asking you to be encouraging and, and growing a client and that you're responsible to grow that client and to give them success. Your perspective changes. Mm. 1000% correct. And, and look, Tess, it, it's, we could be here all day talking about this because you are, you are leaving the audience with some really good nuggets. So let's do this. What are three things, three key things that you believe a leader needs today to lead tomorrow's talent? Well, I think you can probably guess two of them. <laughs> you can't guess two that you've not been paying Gee, attention let me very see. well. Um, let me see. Empowerment. That's one of them, right? Yes. Curiosity. Yes. I feel Curiosity. It's, you've used that a, a lot. And what's yeah. that third one? It's tenacity. It's ah. having the determination and the persistence to not give up. Look at that. And it's really, if, you're, if you've got curiosity you empower your employees to utilize that curiosity. And as a leader, you have the tenacity, but you also teach tenacity to your team. You're unstoppable. And folks, with that, we'll leave the last word with Tess. So Tess, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you right now, somebody says, I got to talk to her. How can they reach you? Best way to reach me is LinkedIn. Uh, I am definitely there. I, I am in the process of revamping and, and reactivating my profiles, but uh, LinkedIn is going to be the best way to reach me. Roger that. And I will have it in the show notes in case anybody has trouble finding her. I will have the link there. Tess, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You definitely put a lot of nuggets out there for people to, to think about. So thank you for your time. Thanks, Ricky. I appreciate being here today and really you know, I'm excited to see the new launch for your brand. And yes, ma'am. See where all this goes. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, ma'am. Yes. for And, and, and you, you, you told everybody because that's what's happening. This is the first episode of the new brand. I'm excited. So, yes, can't wait for it. Tess, have a good one, folks. Drive safe. Good night. Well, folks, that is our show. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for subscribing and downloading whatever it is you do. However it is you consume this podcast, I really do appreciate it. You can find us at Biasco.com, B-A-E-Z-C-O.com, or you can just go on uh, on. Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you get your podcast, go ahead and subscribe, give us a like, download us, and let us know how we're doing. We were really, really appreciated. So, folks, that said, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. <laughs>